the research is helping you move in the right direction and it's helping you understand the problem better and the audience better. And so we should think of it as just part of the brief, right? Like it's really hard to design without a brief. And so user research should be part of the brief. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. Today we're going to be talking about a very important part of the design process, but one that's perhaps not as glamorous as the whole, like, shipping something beautiful and, you know, uh, working in Sketch on a bunch of different iterations. And that is user research. It's a really vital part of the process because you've not only got to make sure that the problem that you're solving is the right one and use research to come up with the right solution to that problem before you get into the designing phase, but also the user testing side. So after you have created something, you've got to do research and testing to figure out if it is actually the right solution and like validate your ideas, I suppose. Fem, you do a lot of this at your role at Uber and I know you've got like a really solid super professional process there and I have worked with a bunch of different like user testing and, and research people throughout my career so I'm looking forward to sharing a couple of the different approaches that have been taken at places I've worked should be a good episode first though how has your week been you did tell me before this episode that you'd just been for a run so I have <laughs> starting off with I'm very proud of you thank you I am actually halfway through my couch to 5k program I thought you were gonna say you're halfway through a run right now no <laughs> oh, I'm very impressed <laughs> no I'm halfway through or I guess by the time this comes out I'm I'm well past halfway but right now I'm halfway through the eight week program so it's three runs a week for eight weeks gets you to like a 5k run at the end and I have not yet missed a run, which, I mean, if I make it to the end of this program without having missed one, I'm going to be so, so proud of myself. So yeah, running is going well. I'm thinking about maybe signing up for some kind of like run race competition. I don't know what you call those things. Like maybe for, for the end of summer. A running race competition. Yeah, perfect. Yes. One of those things where you wear like a bib and you have like a number. It's like triathlon when you're a kid. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about maybe signing up for one of those so that I have like something to work towards, you know, some extra motivation and like a nice goal at the end, but, uh, haven't done that yet. Still like first seeing that I can actually run without stopping <laughs> for like 20 minutes would be great. But yes, uh, running is part of my routine now, which is really, really good. I'm quite proud that I've managed to fit that in. And other than that, work is really busy right now. I'm in like in the middle of the design validation handoff process for my project. And we did an episode about that a few weeks ago. So working a lot with the engineers, having a lot of conversations with them, figuring things out. It's a lot of fun, but also very, very busy trying to keep up with some side project stuff, but it's starting to slip a little bit. And I find also like always at this time of year, it's summer things kind of slow down for me in terms of side projects. Like I want to spend more time outside, maybe go on a little vacation, like hang out with my friends at the park in the weekend. So yeah, kind of starting to enter that phase now of like kind of a little slowdown. But other than that, things are pretty good on this end. Good. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that whole ramping down in summer thing. And I think that's important, you know, like you've got to get out there and, and, Spend some time in the fresh air. We can't spend all day every day in front of our computers. Totally. How are you? Because you're about to go back to the US, right? Pretty soon? Yep. 
Yep. I can't believe how fast that's come around. So you may have, you and the people listening may have heard me talk about this book that I had been designing for the past, I don't know, several episodes because it basically took over my life. I was spending so many hours on that book and that's off to print now, which is so exciting. Congratulations. That part of the project is kind of off my mind, although not really because I'm still like going to worry about it until it's actually in my hands and looking how I wanted it to, you know, but hey, that's just how things go. The day after I finished the book Handon, I took a little bit of time off work because I had been, you know, working 10 to 12 hour days and I'd been working weekends and I went to the skate park and then I was skateboarding home again and London pavements are very like uneven. There's a lot of cobblestones and tiles like poking out at weird angles. Right, right. Anyway, my wheels hit one of them wrong and I fell off the board and sprained my ankle really badly. So I've been kind of homebound the past few days, which has not been great. And yeah, definitely had a freak out that it was going to be take a long time to heal. Like last time I, I did this about two years ago and I'm going to America in two weeks and I've got to be up on stage like presenting a workshop and a conference talk and a panel and just, yeah, that didn't seem ideal. But it seems to be healing well. So that's good on, on the positive side. Yeah, I hope you have a speedy recovery and I'm sorry that you're like stuck at home. <laughs> I know, especially in this, you know, summer weather. But anyway, Aside from the ankle rolling uh, side projects, uh, I'm trying to ramp back up on them as well because I just had to put everything aside to get this book done, basically. And so now there's a lot of things that I need to do before I head overseas. So, yes, lots to do, always lots to do, but it's going to be a good trip coming up. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I can't wait to, like, see the response to your conference talk at Craft and Commerce. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited for you. I hope it goes well. And I also spent um, a, couple, a bit of time last weekend putting together a workshop that I'm hosting actually before I go to America, like the day before, at this blogging conference in London. And it's about design for bloggers. So it was kind of design 101. I'm teaching a little bit of design thinking and a little bit of like positive and negative space type thing. And also how to look at code on your blog and make changes. It's going to be a mixed bag. And yeah, I have not really practiced the workshop much, but I'm, I'm really excited about the content of it. So it should be good. That's cool. You, you seem to be doing more and more like little workshops. Is that something that you've been enjoying as a different way to sort of teach others? Yeah, I quite like it because it feels like a real life version of a YouTube video in a way, more so than a conference talk does. So yeah, I'm keen to do more of that. Yeah, super cool. Anyway, should we get on to today's topic instead of talking all about me and my ankle and my workshops? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. I first let's start off. Like I want to ask you, have you participated in user research before and what, like how much involvement have you had in it? Cause I feel like, like we're designers, right? We're not researchers, but still it's obviously a very important and active part of the design process. So have you done it before and how involved have you been in that process? I have not done it myself before if that makes sense like I've not been leading a user research project but both at Zero and now at ConvertKit I work with someone on the team who is in charge of user research and data and analytics and all that right and so I would work with them at Zero. we mostly used a website called usertesting.com to test designs after they were launched that was more the type of user research we did was looking at existing things seeing how users interacted with them to then figure out how we want to make improvements going forward. Uh, so yeah, the user researcher would be in charge of coming up with the questions to ask. Basically, we'd tell them what we want to know, we want to get from this experience. 
and they would come up with the right questions to ask the users and you know doing that that whole thing and also analyzing google analytics data as well so less wait that's quantitative right rather than qualitative yeah research <laughs> yeah and now at convertkit i work really closely with erin who is our like data marketing person and at the start of a big project we'll have a chat about like what we think we want to get out of out of this she'll go ahead and do a bunch of research user research also research about how other SaaS companies are doing this sort of thing you know and yeah what our users might think of it how they're interacting with the current iteration of the page and she'll put together kind of that'll form the brief of of what i designed to so we've done this so far for our pricing page and now for our home page and it's been working out really well this process um, and she also, we run a lot of A-B tests as well on our site. We always have like at least three or four running, I think, of various things that either she or I are interested in testing. Mostly her though, because she's got a lot of good ideas for that. Yeah, so that, they're mostly smaller things so far. Like, what if we changed the color of our CTA buttons to this sort of thing? Or what if we added this progress bar at the end of a blog post? Or Yeah. So that's been my experience is working with other people. Yeah, that's kind of one of the benefits, I think, of working in-house, right, is that you can, like, do this analysis once you've, like, launched something and see how it's performing over time. And, like, based on those results, maybe you're going to change something or, like, test a different version, like A-B testing, for example. Uh, I don't think you get that as much if you're working at, a, at an agency. It's more seems to be, like, once you sort of hand off the project, it's kind of out in the wild. So true. Yeah. I like the fact that being in-house means that we can constantly, like, iterate and improve and do more research and testing and use those results to hopefully ultimately make a better experience. Yeah, and I think that the reason that most of the testing and user research that happens for me comes either as iterating on something existing or, you know, validating a decision after something's been designed is because I do work in-house and I know our audience really well. Obviously, you should always check your assumptions and things like that. And Erin's really good at making sure we do that. But I'm never designing blind, right? Like, I always have a really good idea of who our audience is when I start to do something, even without any, like, specific research done for that project. So that's why I think we tend to, like, make our best guess first, perhaps, and then then validate from there. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, research is also really expensive and time consuming, right? So, you know, sometimes I think you kind of have to make the call of like, when is it worth it? How far deep do you want to go? How broad do you want to go? Because it's a very time consuming and invest, investing part of the process, I think. What about you and, and Uber? Because I know that, yeah, you do a lot of it there. You even go on trips to do user research. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. And yeah, I think it's quite interesting that at Uber, it's it's you, the designers, right, doing the research and being there on the research trips, which I think is really useful because you're there to like see firsthand the responses rather than just getting a report back at the end. I don't know. Yeah. Tell us about that, basically. Yeah, sure. So we have a dedicated user researcher on our design team. So they're kind of available there for us designers as a resource when we want to, you know, explore more or find out more. And I don't know, I kind of see research as like two different things. Like there's researching about the problem space and like learning more about who are the people we're designing for, what are the limitations that we need to be aware of so that we can design effectively things like that like kind of more researching the the problem space in the area 
And then there's sort of the second part, which is like user testing. So that's more like talking to specific users. Maybe we're testing prototypes or things like that. And research kind of plays a role throughout the entire project. Obviously, they are more present for us in the beginning. So at the start of the project, we do a lot of user research to learn and to understand more. So, you know, often we're designing things that are going to be launched in specific markets or like for a specific user group. So, you know, I think also at a, at a company like Uber, where the people using our product are like very diverse, right? Like I can imagine that I mean, this this is making assumptions, so correct me if I'm wrong, but at ConvertKit, like, it's probably a bit more niche, the people that are using your product. But for us, like, you know, drivers and writers could be anybody. So how do you kind of design for everyone is quite a challenge. So we kind of break people down into different user groups or different markets and then go deep into those particular groups or those particular markets to kind of learn more and find out more about like how they're using the product, why they're using the product, what does it mean to them and things like that. So we get a project, we do a lot of research about, you know, the the people that we're building and designing this for and what it means to them and also finding out about their existing experience, like how do you currently do X or like how would you like to do X, for example, and kind of learning more about what they're doing now. And that kind of helps us like sort of see potential opportunities and spaces where like, oh, well, they're currently doing it like this and saying that it's really difficult. So maybe that's a specific area that we could explore further and think about doing, you know, this different experience. So yeah, a lot of like research there and lots of talking and conversations and learning more. And that can be through, like I said, conversations, but it could also be through like surveys, for example, you know, getting quantitative and qualitative data and using that to kind of see how like get a sort of more overall picture of things, which is sometimes really useful. Uh, And then, of course, we also have the like user testing and going in the field and like actually talking to people. And, you know, for us, sometimes that involves taking trips with people, like actually ordering an Uber ride and getting in the car and being like, hey, we work at Uber. Can we talk to you? Uh, So that can be really, really fun. Uh, And then we also do user testing so like we get prototypes out and we put it in front of them and get their thoughts and see what they think and that's usually quite early stage for us when we're kind of you know we have some ideas we have some really rough prototypes and we want to check it out and see how people might respond or react to it and learn more and yeah that's like a really quick summary it's obviously like really in depth and like research continues to play a role through the design process. So while I'm designing things, I'm often checking in with the researcher, like, you know, based on your knowledge and your like thoughts and gatherings from the research, how do you feel about if if we did this? Like, do you think that helps them solve problem X and things like that? So that's really helpful to have them available. Yeah, for sure. Something you said in there made me think where you said that you ask the people what, like, what they want, how they want to be doing X, I think is what you said. And it reminded me of the fact that we should, even though getting data is great and doing the research is great, I don't think that we should underestimate our gut as designers and our understanding for the target audience and how to solve the problem. 
because there's that quote, I think it's from Henry Ford, or maybe it's that Mandala effect where everyone just attributes it to Henry Ford, and so I, I'm just doing it too, but it's that if you ask people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse oh, when yeah. he was talking about designing the car. Right, right, right. right. And so there is a bit of that, that we it's, it's on us to understand the problem, not get the solution from our users, but hearing what they consider the solution to be is often really useful in helping to define the problem, right? I don't want people to come away from this episode and think that, oh, if you don't have a piece of research saying that you should put this button in the top right corner of your page or whatever, then you shouldn't do it. You know, your gut as a designer is is valid too, and, you know, you've been doing the learning over the years. Do you agree with that, though, Fem? Because you can feel free to disagree with me. I think for me it's a combination of gut and, like, learning and understanding them. Yeah, for sure. Because that's how you train your gut in a way. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, I think so. Like a lot of the work that I do at Uber is for developing markets. So it's for people that live in places like South America uh, or Africa. And I have never lived in those places. And I also have not really spent much time, if at all, in those places. And so it's really easy for me to sit at my desk and make all of these assumptions and, you know, think like, oh, yeah, well, of course they're going to be able to do this thing because they're going to have high, fast 4G internet and, you know, they're going to be well connected and have all the technology to do those things like we do here in Europe. But, you know, the reality is that they don't necessarily. It's it's very different there. And so for me, actually being able to go to those places and see it, you know, with my own eyes and kind of experience it myself is, like, so beneficial And I think that's where, like, if I had only relied on my gut, then I wouldn't have created a good product experience. Yeah, good point. What I love about the way that your team does research, too, is that you actually are going to the place. You're not just, like, having a Skype call with them or something from your office in Amsterdam. Like, I think being there is, it's really great that you're able to do that because I think it would definitely help your understanding. Yeah, I uh, I actually went to a workshop about user research a few weeks ago. Uh, it was by this guy called Jan Chipchase, and I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, he's like a field researcher, really well known, does like huge pro- projects for like Adidas and things like that. Um, and he held this workshop, and he was talking about how when he goes out in the field, he tries as much as possible to live like the people he's researching. So, for example, if he is going to Mexico City and researching like low income, lower class people, then he will try and live like those people while he's on the trip. So, you know, not staying at five star hotels, not taking Ubers around the city, not dining at the fancy restaurants, but like living as much as possible and obviously within like a safe boundary, uh, like the people he's researching. And I found that really interesting because, you know, when I travel for work doing research, we do stay in a nice hotel and we obviously do take Ubers everywhere. And like I've been to Mexico City to do research there three times in the last year and I've never taken the subway there and you know Uber's a transportation company so like for me I think it would be beneficial if while I'm there I sort of explore like well what are the main ways that people get around so that kind of got me thinking more about like yeah how beneficial I think it is to actually go there and be in their space and you kind of get like the full experience like you're not just being told firsthand from this person what it's like like what their life is like, you're actually kind of living it too. And I haven't done this yet. This is just uh, 
this recommendation that uh, Jan said in the workshop, but I think it would be so interesting to try it from that perspective. For sure. Um, a question I have for you, Femme, and this is what I struggle with most when it comes to user research, because I think I could be doing it a lot more myself, especially with the target market that I work for now. Like our target audience is other creators. And obviously I have like quite a tap into that market. So I could be finding people and, you know, doing user research and by myself and testing or whatever, but totally, I don't know what to ask them. <laughs> okay. This is where I struggle is in exactly how to phrase a question. First of all, so that I don't lead them accidentally to a certain answer so that things are open enough, but also that they have enough context. I don't know. Yeah. How do, how do you and your team figure out exactly what to ask? the drivers when you're doing your user research trips and any advice for forming those questions? So typically what happens is our researcher will create a kind of like an interview guide. So it's sort of like he's sort of pre-writing out the questions or just, you know, thinking about the general, like what is the story we want to tell or what is what do we want to hear from them and writing down some questions and you know he's not like sitting there with it in front of him and like going through each question like you just have a natural conversation but at least this kind of preparation helps you kind of prepare like what you might ask and what are the things you want to know and learn more about and he mostly does the interviews but I've done a couple as well when I've been there and often asking why is a really good question if if you're not sure or want to learn more about something so you know they might say like oh I, I would do this and you can be like well why, why did you do that why why did you do that instead of this or why did you tap there instead of here or what are you hoping is you're going to see once you you know tap there for example oh that's a good one so like asking those kind of questions about like why or what made you lead to that answer or to do that thing is often a really good question because then it gets them like explaining their thought process and their reasoning. And that's often where you sort of uncover the gems, I think. Yeah, that's that's good good advice. I guess another tip might be that you always have to have a, a certain thing that you're testing. Like, for example, I shouldn't go ahead and try and use a test to the whole ConvertKit website. Right. You should have a goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have a goal and to have like when you're preparing the interview guide you kind of have in mind like what you want to get out of this and you know we often will do like a one and a half hour like user test on like one very specific problem area you know we go quite deep into those problem areas so you know I think having a specific thing in mind or testing something specific uh, is more beneficial and you're going to get better results. Because if you just want to test the whole website, it's going to be a really difficult test, I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Way too much. Yeah. So what about, I don't know. So I've got a user researcher on my team, right? You you obviously do as well and you, you go on research trips and everything. So our companies seem to already value testing and research. But what if, there's someone listening who is a designer at a company who feels like, yeah, that would be great to have some like validation behind my designs and to know that my solutions are the right ones before I'm putting them out there or, you know, even using it uh, as, as the phase before I do an iteration on the design. Do you have any advice for how to ease into user research and testing? Like, 
without having to hire a researcher and, you know, go to Mexico. Yeah. What are some of the like first steps that you could recommend to someone? Okay, this is interesting. So one way you could do this, and this might not necessarily be the easiest or the cheapest or the quickest way, is that you could sort of do beta testing. And I did this at my last company where we didn't do like thorough research and thorough testing before launching products or launching features. But we did have this kind of group of like quote unquote friendly customers and they would kind of be our beta testers. So we would first launch something to them and let them try it for a couple of weeks. And as they're doing that, we're having regular conversations with them, talking to them, learning more about how they're using it or what they think could be improved or what is, you know, working really well. And that could be a nice starting way to kind of like start getting this feedback. I think like what I'm trying to say is that in order to convince someone that research is important, you kind of have to show them a little bit why and doing this beta testing and getting this feedback and then being able to put that in their face and be like, look, see, like all of this feedback is so valuable. Imagine if we got this before we launched and, you know, then it wouldn't be as expensive and, and we wouldn't have spent so much time building something that could have been better, for example. So that could be one way to do it. Another way is you know, obviously you don't have to fly around the world and go to these different places. We do actually sometimes do interviews over the phone. So we've done a few interviews with drivers in different parts of the world through a Zoom phone call. So you could do that as well instead of going there in person. Uh, you could also do surveys. You know, that can also be a really easy quick win, just making a survey, sending it out to the, the customers that you think match, you know, whatever you're designing for, and just getting those qualitative results first and seeing, you know, what they think and what they feel. And you could use that, you know, as your as your designing could be another way to do it. Yeah, I think that's good advice. We're running a little test at the moment on some of our pages where we have the kind of like comparisons with competitors. And so it's like switch from MailChimp to ConvertKit, you know. And on that page, there's a little survey thing that pops up at the bottom when you're you've been on the page for x amount of time or I think when you scrolled 50% or something I don't know it asks did you find everything that you were looking for and so from that we've gotten some really interesting responses where some things people have said I'm like but that is on the page and obviously it's not standing out enough right to this person so that that's like a simple little way that we've been doing that I think that's through Hotjar so that, that could be a good one for websites but in general too I think that you don't have to even form a whole interview guide and things and, and go that deep. It can be as simple as just asking one question. We were doing this recently in our Design Life community because I presented a workshop about self-promotion just to our community members. And as part of that, we talked about the first impression that your portfolio gives to people. Like what kind of work do they think you're doing based on just seeing your homepage? What like what kind of clients do they think you work for and you know are you available for hire just a few questions like that you can just spend a minute looking at some the front page of someone's portfolio and like answer based on your first impressions and it's really useful to know what someone's first impressions of a page are so that could be something that you can do with uh, things you're designing as well whether it's a brochure or a poster or a website or whatever it is you can just Ask someone who is not involved in the project, ideally, and maybe not a designer. Like, actually, 
better if they're not a designer. <laughs> then they're not gonna like I don't know have have their opinion swayed or whatever. Just see what their first impression is. What feeling do they get from this thing? What do they think the main piece of information is? You know, ask these little questions that you're probably asking yourself along the way and just, yeah, ask them to someone else. Yeah, totally. And like A-B testing is also always a, a really good one as well. And I mean, like in your case, Charlie, like you mentioned, you you probably know or have within your network people who would actually make good interview people, right? Like people to interview for ConvertKit. And that's totally fine too. Like I have gotten some of my friends <laughs> to come in to do interviews uh, as a writer. Like, you know, that's fine. They're my friends. They use the product. They know a bit about like what the the area is. And so if you know someone that you think might be a like good person to test, that's totally fine too. Like it doesn't have to be somebody anonymous. And so like I would recommend for you, Charlie, if you're working on something and you want to get some impressions or maybe test it on someone like just reach out in your network and see who might be interested in doing that. I think that's totally fine. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Another thing on that though too is I would say that one person doesn't speak for everyone. So don't take something that one person says and suddenly change up your whole design because they thought this, right? I think that you have to hear it from a few different sources before you would make a drastic change like that. Yeah, and that's where like surveys and quantitative research are really useful because you can actually see like the numbers and see the statistics. And if your research is more qualitative, like a lot of mine is more qualitative, then we try to do like a synthesis at the end and we try to pull out like what were the main themes, what were the takeaways, like what were the things that we were hearing over and over again. And then those kind of form as the basis of like, okay, like here's the top four things that were recurring themes. Like how are we going to address these? Yeah, that makes sense. Can I read out something from one of our community members? Because we've been talking about the fact that we are in-house, right? So we get to design something like do research and also improve on things afterwards. But Max is in a different situation. So Max says, since September 2017, I have been in three projects with a purpose solely to understand the user's needs and behaviours. The research I and my project team has undertaken is mainly interviews and usability testing with users, depending on the project goal. Sadly, we're not doing any developing in-house at my work, which means that my research on user behaviour isn't in my hands to act on. I am but the messenger telling the company what the user needs and expects of their product through my user research. So that's interesting. That's like a different like situation to be in than us. Max goes on to say that user research should more or less be the first step in a design process and should be returning to the project in different forms, such as interviews, usability testing with users, etc. Iteration with users is key. And then you put a key emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is a struggle to get companies and clients to understand the value of user research. They want to dive into wireframes and prototypes at the start to have something to touch and show and bring in the users but what they don't understand is that they color the user when working with something like that and they might not get it right so that's interesting because uh as i confessed earlier in this episode often i do design something first and then do the testing on it though obviously we have done a bit of research to inform the brief so maybe i'm okay but yeah thoughts thoughts on what max has to say this is funny because I actually went through this this week where I started a new project and I was doing some wireframes and, you know, really early stage, low fidelity ideas. And I shared those ideas with my team and my researcher was like, 
oh, I've previously done some research in this problem space. Like, let's talk about this. And I was like, great, this sounds awesome. And then so we had a conversation and he had some uh, quantitative results to show and share with me. And he also had just recently been on a research trip and Part of that was asking users about this problem space that I was now working in. And so I kind of had this experience where, like, I wanted to dive into the wireframes. And, you know, like, as a designer, you get really excited about that, obviously. And so I had dived into that without really stepping back and thinking, okay, maybe I should, like, ask my researcher or do a little bit of my own research to kind of get an understanding about this area. And then, so yeah, once he, you know, told me all of this, I was like, oh my gosh, I walked away from that conversation with him suddenly having all of these new ideas and this new perspective and like completely rethinking uh, what I wanted to do and totally looked at my wireframes I'd made in a different light. So I think that just also goes to show the power of research and like, yes, as designers, it's really exciting to get into wireframes and as clients too obviously like they want you to get started like show me something visual right but stepping back and first thinking about what is this problem space what is the research we either have available or should do so that we can get started with the wireframes on the right foot yeah I think that's what it comes down to right is that the research is helping you move in the right direction and it's helping you understand the problem better and the audience better and so we should think of it as just part of the brief, right? Like, it's really hard to design without a brief. <laughs> and so yeah. user research should be part of the brief. Yeah, totally. And also, like Max said somewhere in there about research being, like, the first step in the design process, but also returning to it later in different forms. I totally agree with that as well. Like, we have the intention that once a project launches, we will like let it sort of cook for a month or so and then go and like research it again in a way. So like go back and revisit and see, okay, well now that we've launched it and it's a month or two later, how are people using it? Like, how are they finding it? Uh, is it, you know, being successful? Where are the like really obvious problem areas that maybe we got something wrong? So yeah, I totally agree with that, that research is more than just the beginning. It kind of like sprinkles its fairy dust across the whole process. What a lovely quote. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you want to add about research or are we kind of wrapping up here? Well, okay, what's the takeaway for you from this? Like, I feel like I've shared a lot about what what I do and what we do at Uber. Do you feel any more inspired to do more research or do you have some ideas of how you might integrate this into your next project? Um, well, I think we're already doing research. Like Erin's great, great with that. But what I'm, I'm most excited about upcoming is that we've got a new data platform at ConvertKit. And what I want, really want to know, and so I guess this conversation has inspired me to push for this more, is I want to know what the ideal path is for a user through our site. Because when I'm designing a page, and obviously I'm putting a call to action on it, like I can design it for that call to action and encourage people to click on it. But is that the right one? You know, I, I would like to know, like, uh, users who have seen our features page and our pricing page, a better quality, like trial user than someone who has just seen the pricing page and the homepage, for example, that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm excited to learn more about our users journey through this new data platform that we have. And yeah, I think I'll do what you suggested and be thinking of some people to interview, I guess, when I'm 
creating a new page um, upcoming we're going to be looking at our features section on our site because right now it's pretty much just one page and we need to expand on that a little more so yeah I think that maybe you yourself <laughs> might be called up to hear your thoughts when I get around I to can't wait waiting for the phone call <laughs> okay awesome this was really fun to talk about I I'm actually surprised that we got to 127 or so episodes and didn't talk about research and testing before well maybe that's because you didn't work at Uber maybe before. maybe yeah <laughs> But if you're listening and have any extra thoughts or maybe you disagree with something we said or have something additional you want to share, then please do share it with us. You can reach us on Twitter at DesignLifeFM. And if you would like to hear more episodes, then you can go to DesignLife.FM. Find all of our episodes up there. Fem has been working on a new version of our website as well. Oh, coming soon. Yeah, sneak peek, but... Yeah, I don't know when that'll be ready, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> I'm so excited, yes. And if you'd like to join us for more conversations like this on a daily basis, then join our community. We're at designlife.fm slash community. It's a monthly subscription. You get access to, yeah, the community chat, a bunch of resources and things, and about 100 really great people who are awesome to have in your network. Awesome. Looking forward to chatting next week. Yep, talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.